Jeff Passfield is a very ordinary bloke. Jeff completed his trade as a motor mechanic and went on to be a teacher in the mechanical trades at TAFE College. Enjoying the teaching a little more than the trade, Jeffrey trained as a secondary school teacher in industrial arts, design and technology. He worked with the Dale Christian School as part of St Philip's Christian College at Waratah, then back into the industry, training during the mining boom. Then Jeff went back into teaching in the local area for several years before feeling the call to go to Burke. He took up a position at Burke High School to re-establish this TAS facility as head teacher until last year when due to wanting to be vaccine free, Jeff, like many other valuable teachers, was dismissed. They were dismissed for no other reason than they believed, my body is my choice. When the current Liberal government made vaccine mandatory for teachers, police, fire department, ambulance department, nurses and doctors, in fact all health professionals, many lost their jobs. And Jeff was one of them and he had to learn how to reinvent his life. Together, Jeff and his wife, Pip, still own Newcastle Florist at Maitland. Jeff slotted back into the support role for Pip until an opportunity arose to serve people in a very different role than what Jeff had ever ever expected in his wildest dreams as the local representative for the United Australia Party for the Hunter region. Jeff has lived and been connected all his life to the Hunter region and is passionate about this homeland. He feels responsible to represent its people and their future to the best of his ability. Due to the Labor stronghold in this region, he believes the people are no longer represented as well as they could be. Grab a cuppa, turn the key on in the car, and enjoy my conversation with Jeff Passfield, the tradie, the teacher, the businessman who decided to make a difference in the world of politics. G'day Jeff, it's good to have a conversation with you today. Thanks Sam, mate, great to catch up with you, thanks for having me. It's been good spending a little bit more time together over the last couple of months. Yeah, it has been very, indeed, it's a, it's a, actually a, a recognition of my first official uh, social media post for this year. I said uh, 2022 will be a year of new and renewed friendships and so uh, we're, we're testimony that it's a renewed friendship, so yeah. terrific to, to, uh, to catch up again. No, well I really appreciate you and Pip. I appreciate the the subject that we're going to talk about today. That subject is is based around entering politics and kind of having a having a go. Seeing that I've I've said to people often in in business to make a living and a difference, and this is an opportunity to join a party and to move into the into the world of politics. But I know your heart is always about making a difference. So how how did the idea of uh, moving into politics first grab you and when it did what did you think to yourself i suppose there's been some stuff for for years i've never thought about getting into politics but i've just watched some stuff over the years and thought that's just not right there've just been so many things over the years and you think we we we're just not being treated the way we should be treated the last couple of years have been a real testimony to that as well. It's been a pretty tough couple of years. Um, I think governments in general have really proven that they have forgotten that they're meant to serve the people okay. um, and you know, that they somehow think that we are subject to them um, and that we should be serving them and we are just to obey them, whatever, whatever they decide for whatever reason. Um, and so 
along the way there'd be people who stood out who would buck that trend okay. and about a year or so ago Craig Kelly um, was one of those guys he walked away from the Liberal Party and pretty much said that he couldn't be a part of it anymore uh, basically because that they had lost their way um, they'd lost their values they'd forgotten the people that they were there to serve and said that he would run you know serve out the rest of his term as an independent and then would probably run after that perhaps as an independent for him things changed direction when uh, Clive Palmer approached him and asked him if he would come on board and lead the United Australia Party and so as, as I just kind of watched those things from a distance, I suppose, and watched those things happen. Because I was pretty impressed with Craig and because of the things that have been going on uh, around the world and in Australia, um, I just became a member. I just joined the party. Uh, I get their emails, that kind of stuff. Then an email came out that said they were looking for nominations for, for different seats for, for the upcoming election. And my initial thought was, well, gee, I hope they get somebody, you know, to do that. I hope they get somebody good. Yes, gee, we need a change. Mm -hmm. But then I, I couldn't really get rid of this nagging thought that, that really just plagued me was, well, what if they don't? What if somebody doesn't step up? Um, and it's really easy for some time, I think for us all at times, to, to, to wish that somebody else would do it yeah. and would do something. And so I didn't know what would, what would come of it, but I thought at the time, well, I'll throw my hat in the ring, you know, and, and if I'm needed, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to step up. So that was my, my initial inspiration. Um, and I got in, I snuck in at the death, honestly. I, uh, my, initially, I got in so late, my application was even rejected because I got past the deadline. And I thought, oh, well, that's it. That, well, yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, you know, I didn't even get in in time. But then I got an email to say, oh, look, that, that extended by a couple of days and I just missed out. Um, and they would have a look at my application. So they sent me some instructions. I had to send a video. And so uh, so I made a little 10-minute video in one take. And I thought, well, this is who I am. And if they don't like it, well, that's not for me. Because I'm not going to pretend to be somebody else. That's that's the whole purpose that I would put my hand up um, because I'm tired of pretenders. Um, so I got, a, I got a call and somebody uh, from the UAP, a really nice guy uh, named Doug, rang me up and said, oh, yeah, we got your video and thanks for that and asked me a bunch of questions. Um, the question I remember that he asked particularly was, if you're not pre-selected, Elected, would you help the person who is you know, who, who is chosen yeah. Yeah. and it was like absolutely and to be honest that's what I expected I expected that somebody would be chosen and I would be able to be maybe their right hand man or what, you know whatever part I'd be able to play and then a week later I got a phone call and it was really well congratulations because you're the man <laughs> <laughs> so here I am um, I'm not exact I didn't I probably didn't really understand what I was uh, putting my hand up for at the time but uh, it's became much more apparent as we go along. So tell me a little bit about the Jeff Passfield story pre this opportunity to be able to serve in this role uh, as as a potential candidate and potential minister in, in UOP for the Hunter region. So tell me a bit of the story about what led up to it being higher on the radar than, than probably would normally be. Well, I suppose to give you some of my background, and some of this probably ties into why I think that I have something to offer. If I, if I didn't think I had something to offer the hunter, um, I wouldn't put my hand up. Yeah. Uh, and I've said to other people that, you know, I probably wouldn't have put my hand up if I'd been living in the middle of Sydney or something, because I don't know if I would have been the, the right person. But uh, I come from a trade background. Um, I've worked in industry. I got my dream job in the in the 90s teaching at TAFE. That was that was my, my uh, dream as an apprentice even, to become, to become a TAFE teacher. 
the uh, the government stand, I suppose their approach to TAFE how they started to dismantle the TAFE system uh, brought that to an end after three years unfortunately but I'd, uh, I'd got a taste for teaching in the process so it took a while it took me a long way to go around uh, to go around the mulberry bush uh, to get to uh, I retrained as a high school teacher to, to do industrial arts which was a big deal because I wasn't somebody who loved school <laughs> and that's an understatement I really didn't like school at all so I've been a I've been a school teacher for probably the last nineteen years. I've been I've taught in schools all around the Hunter. I've, you know, I've been at, uh, mostly temporary in that time. Certainly with the DT, it's been mostly temporary. Did a year at West Walls End, a couple of years at Maitland. Uh, did three years at Musselbrook, and uh, there were no permanent jobs. I finally got a permanent job uh, just a bit over two years ago, and I headed off to Burke. Uh, packed, packed up my ute, um, mm-hmm. and off I went. I uh, left Pip, my wife, in Newcastle. Uh, just she's got a business to run. I went out there hoping to really be able to make a difference out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then while I was there, the world went nuts. You had, you know, COVID, and it wasn't just COVID, but the world's response to COVID was probably the, the thing where I would say the world went nuts. And I found myself in a position uh, where the vaccinations became mandated. Um, I had reservations about the vaccinations, and, and I'm probably somebody who is sceptical and, and, and ask, you know, asks a lot of questions. And then when I get pushed into a corner, I probably don't respond particularly well. Um, you know, it probably doesn't help me to, uh, to comply. It probably makes me less likely to comply. So I declined to have the vaccination. What became of that is uh, last October uh, out of Burke, because of the uh, allocation and where we were sitting at the time in, re- in regard to cases in the community, that kind of stuff, the date was approaching where I would not be allowed on site. My boss at the time, though, uh, he sent out an email one night and said, oh, I've made an executive decision that from tomorrow on, it's fully vaccinated on site only. So that was essentially the end of my teaching career, just in one email. And so I collected my personal items from the school that night, went back to my unit, pretty much started packing, came back to Newcastle. I suppose I've seen the heavy-handed side of government um, where people and people's freedom, people's situations, nothing seems to matter, only compliance. And that's one of the things that's really inspired me, I suppose, to, to make a stand and, and stand to run to run for, for Parliament, which is something I'd never expected to do. I'd never had political aspirations at all. But I, I think somebody needs to be speaking up for the for the little people, you know, the people who are overlooked and who are being trampled on by, as I said before, people who've just forgotten that they were meant to serve us. There's a wide variety of people who need standing up. We need the coal mines needs people advocating for them. The businesses need people and the small people. Yeah. So it's it's quite wide ranging. The you know the voice that needs to emerge. While we often have a, a silent majority and a vocal minority, it's interesting to to see who who we can represent. I was told years ago, the person who won't stand for something will fall for anything. Yeah. So it's it's important when we have a conviction in our heart to stand. So that led you into nomination. We've heard about that and that you've moved in now into the process of candidacy. What's been some of the major challenges that you've faced already as simply uh, just being a candidate? Uh, I suppose some of it has been my naivety in running for parliament. Uh, when they when I spoke to them on the phone initially, when they, they were asking me questions, they'd asked, how much time can you put into your your campaign and I said at the time I look I can probably put a couple of days in at the beginning and then towards the election when we get closer I'll work full time because it would need to be full time Mm. 
Um, I didn't realise that pretty, from pretty much the time um, that my nom- I was actually accepted and endorsed um, that pretty much went full time straight away. So that's been a challenge. I had uh, I've really had to put my life on hold. Um, I had projects um, that were underway that I've just had to walk away from and uh, and leave. Um, so that's been a challenge. <laughs> so some of the stuff I suppose though has been the cha- the challenge of dealing with with how how our society has approached i suppose the whole political arena it's i've never had a look had to look that more, that closely before and to be honest in the hunter um the whole campaigning in the hunter is not something that's ever been a big deal because it's been such a safe labor seat um there's never been a lot of campaigning that, that's mm. happened um the the hunter though now is up for grabs and everybody knows it so everybody's out campaigning and they've got their claws out that's the reality it's a pretty they say it's a blood sport uh, and it's not how I like to operate. Um, yeah. I'm not somebody that backs down from a fight, but it's you know um, I like to, to treat people with with respect and treat people with dignity. Um, and to be honest, the other candidates have all been terrific, but there are certainly some followers of some of the parties, who shall we say, that um, are not quite so respectful. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't take much to, to trigger them and to bring the trolls out. So, so that's that's probably been the, one of the bigger challenges. You know, there was recently a report with our prime minister being heckled and uh, and almost abused at a at a pub locally. And as he went to present some of his thoughts, some of his policies, and and try to connect with people, I know you've had your moments as well when you've kind of rocked along to a place and and the yellow shirt and the yellow car arrive and some hecklers are there too. How do you deal with people who don't agree? with with what you 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 want to share with them i suppose I, I'd, li- I'd like to have a lot of conversation with people you know that, that's my preference um you know the positions that i have and the, the stand that i've taken that, on, on different issues they're not things that i've just plucked out of a hat they're things that i've considered and i've, and I've thought about a lot um so you know i feel prepared to have a conversation um it, some sometimes that's an easy thing to do. Some people are prepared to have, you know, to actually to talk and and listen. Even um, others, it's just not an option. Other there there are some people who are just quite dogmatic, um, and some people are difficult to talk to, <laughs> and some people honestly you might as well not. You're banging your head against the wall. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't shy away. I don't you know I don't run from from questions. I'm happy to have a conversation with people. You know, some of, some of my worst trolls online, I suppose, have you know the. The, the last comment, you know, that seems to have um, stopped them from attacking, you know, was when I've invited them to take a go for coffee, you know, and offered to shout. Mm. Um, you know, um, that's that's probably the approach I prefer to take rather than getting into, you know, mm. butting heads with people. Um, and there will always be butting heads over ideas, but I think as a society we've lost the ability to be able to, to talk about ideas and, mm. you know, respect that the other person is somebody, is even a person. And even when you say this stuff about Scott Morrison going to the to the local pub, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Scott Morrison fan. I, I, I liked him a couple of years ago, but I, I think... For me personally, I've been really disappointed in the way that he's handled the last couple of years and the way that he's, I suppose, forgotten people and, and been at the helm while people's rights and freedoms have been trampled. So so I wouldn't say that I'm a fan, but I, I still respect the fact that he 
actually went there, you know, into Labor Heartland. So I say, well, good on him, you know, for at least having the guts to turn up. Yeah, I suppose it's tricky. You know, some people are going to be disrespectful, you know, like you've got an idea that challenges, you know, what they think that they believe. Um, Most of the people I encounter in those situations can't articulate what they actually think or they couldn't actually tell you that, you know, a policy for Labor, you know, if if um, if if they needed one. But they're just happy to basically, you know, slander and call mm. names and, and yell at people. Now, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is sad, <laughs> is sad you know, yeah. and, and it's prevalent. You yeah. know, people are making so many comments on stuff they're completely ignorant about. Yeah. So, so share with me some of the, the ways you've been able to help people create this paradigm shift in their mind as you've started to really explain what UA is all about, explain what you're personally yeah. all about. Yeah. When you've met those people who kind of seem very anti yeah. But then, have you had those opportunities where you see a shift? Oh, yeah. I, I went to my local pub um, maybe a month or so ago. Yeah, and I walked in there with, with my yellow shirt and my yellow hat and pulled up in my bright yellow ute outside the big window that everybody saw me arrive. And I walked into the uh, into the bar and it was pretty frosty. Everybody just looked and stuff. And I kind of wanted to have a, have a bit of look around the pub and I ended up just talking to one guy and chatting to him. And, you know, then uh, I offered him a shirt. He wanted a shirt, so I went out of the ute to, to grab one. And half the bar followed me out onto the footpath, and one guy actually started off, so, um, which is really funny. Most of them come out, and that's um, they want to. The ones who have got something negative to say um, want to come out and basically have a bit of a whinge or, or have a dig about Clive Palmer. I'm thinking, well, I'm not Clive Palmer, and you know you can't vote for him in the Hunter anyway, so it's a bit pointless. But anyway, one of the guys uh, started having a dig, and I pretty much said that. I said, well, look, you can't vote for Clive anyway. You know, like whether whether you like him, whether you hate him, makes no difference. I'm in the Hunter, and you can vote for me. And that just started the conversation. I left there probably an hour or so later, and half the guys in the bar were wearing yellow shirts and yellow hat because we're able to talk about stuff. And and this won't win everybody, but I but I won't. I won't pretend to be something I'm not. You know, I know there's there's been criticism of, of Albo. I read in the on the in the paper probably today. I think it was that uh, you know that he's uh, he's one person in the country and another person in the city. With me, like you you'll get you'll get what I believe. You know, and whether that's whether that you like it or whether you don't, that's okay. I'm I'm all right with that. But I'm not going to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. So you know, for lots of people, even as I've been out door knocking, and I say to people, I'm the bloke fighting to save the coal industry. There are some people who will you. Know, you know, some of the I've had a few of the greenies on on, uh, on Facebook today. You know, with a bit to say because I've put up a post. You know, essentially about saving the coal mines, and they don't like that. But that, that, that's okay. They're happy, they're willing. Yeah, they're quite. You know, it's their right to have their opinion and have a different view. But I think, for me personally, I think most of the people on the Hunter respect the fact and recognise the fact that the coal mines have provided an income and provided um, a livelihood for families for generations in the Hunter. And they, you know, everybody wants to tell us that it's dead. Well, it took one shot to be fired in the Ukraine, and countries the world over are scrambling for fossil fuels. And I, you know, I pointed out to somebody, I suppose, in one of the posts today online, is uh, that. China's got over you know, 1,100 plus um, coal-fired power stations. You know they're, they're not going to shut down their, their coal-fired power stations. You know and, and and change their whole shift of direction because Greta Thunberg, you know, made an impassioned plea and said, "How dare you?" I, I don't think some of the big issues are as cut and dried as people would think. Mm. That the coal industry, for example, is going to uh, finish because the the corporations who want to take their place. On the top of the tree, energy-wise, and on the planet, say that that that's going to happen. 
Yeah. Um, so, so I suppose it's trying to find common ground, and a lot of I think in the hunter, for the most most part, people recognise in the short term. You know, right now there is no there is no solution to, to you know in the in the hunter or, uh, to I suppose to, to climate change. You know, like when shutting the coal mines in in the hunter will not do anything to fix it anyway. But mm. people in the hunter recognise that the need they've got real issues they're facing every day. Nice to to turn on the telly and say we need to you know we need to stop burning coal, but when that's providing food for your family and it's mm. paying your mortgage um, and, it, and it's providing security for your family, they're the things that people are facing every day. Mm. And, I, and I think they're they're the things that are important to most of the people in the hunter. And even even that it goes so far beyond just income, it creates infrastructure. Yeah, you know, the businesses that rely on that whole industry as well, and and the coal industry is not what it was either. Not the massive improvement that that probably people would hope, but they're heading in the right direction now. Yeah, and, uh, for, for me, I was on a conversation with a, with um, a guy recently and asked him, said like, for you, what's what's the, your biggest concern? You know, at a government level, what's the thing that's that bothers you the most that you or worries you the most and he said job security well there's a, everybody's talking about job security and, and the major parties are talking about job security but they typically are talking about job security from the point of view of casual employment into permanent employment mm -hmm. and the point that i keep making is that there is no job security if there's not security for the industries that provide the jobs you've been an employer um you know like I, I've, I've been an employer and Unless there's security for your company, why on earth would you be investing in people? Why would you be employing people and putting them on permanent and training them and, and investing you know, in a future when you've got an axe hanging over your head as to whether your entire industry you know, will even exist in a decade? And that's the position that, the, that we're in in Australia at the moment, where the, where the entire coal industry um, has an axe hanging over its head. So people are scared. You, know, you would talk to people in The Hunter who... And like you said, not all of them working in the coal mines, but you know, with with other businesses that are supported by that industry. But but people I talk to who work in the coal mines, whose who's, you know parents worked in the coal mines and grandparents worked in the coal mines, and they have aspirations for their kids. You know, who 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 that's what they want to do, and it's not like you know, it's not like they're being forced into that. That's what they want. Um, that's the future that they see, and they can and they can make it make a good living. They can provide for their family. They can, you know, provide security, and that that should be available to them. Um, so when you first got the idea and you said, right, I'm going to have a red hot shot at this and 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 see where it takes me. Who was the first person you shared with, and why did you share with that person? <laughs> well, the first person I shared it was was uh, Pip, my <laughs> wife. Um, <laughs> And the reason I shared it with her because she is by far the person most impacted by this. Uh, in the short term, uh, coming you know coming to the election, um, I keep saying to people she's the brains of the operation. Um, that she's my uh, campaign manager. Um, I don't actually have a campaign manager, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was the first, and she has been my uh, biggest supporter. Yeah, and it's been great to have her <laughs> along. But absolutely, she was the first one because she's been impacted a lot already uh, by that decision. And what did Pip say? I, I don't think she said anything at first. I think she was just <laughs> the shock was too much. I think it was. I think it. Are you serious? <laughs> and, I, and I think there's a level of where she could see that it was it was going to be all encompassing and it was going to be um, it was going to be pretty full on. But I think she also recognised that she she knows who she knows me and she knows the things I stand for. 
And I think so. It wasn't really a surprise as much as, you know, running for parliament is, is a surprise. I think the fact that, you know, standing up for the things I believe in wasn't a surprise. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, a bit, a little bit about Pip's business. Pip's, uh, she's got a florist shop. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she's got Maitland City Florist. She works real hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she she's uh, there. All of, you know, I don't know how, how do we even explain it. I suppose she's a florist. She's she's a a businesswoman. Um, she's an employer. Um, she's a friend. To, you know, to the people that uh, that she employs and that work with her. Uh, she's a mentor. Uh, you know, she's recently employed um, two uh, young girls. Um, who uh, needed a future? One of the girls. This this gives you an idea on even the, the craziness of the world we're in at the moment. Uh, one one person that she employed, um, absolute smart as a pin, like incredibly gifted uh, intellectually. Sixteen year old uh, has finished high school, already started doing university subjects to go and become a physio. That was that was her future. Would be a physio, and she would be gifted, you know, in in the stuff. Uh, well, the university mandated that she had to be double, triple, quadruple, whatever it might be, vaccinated to be able to continue that. So she's now doing a traineeship as a florist. And she's a massive asset <laughs> to, to Pip's business. But what what a dreadful shame for, for our country, you know, and for our region. You know, we're, we're desperate for, you know, for people with medical qualifications and, and good, um, smart, caring people to enter those professions and are being pushed aside. It's been interesting to watch the government disqualify people who are incredibly talented on on just simply a, a choice that they make about what's going to go into their body yep. and what's not and and the efficacy of of the vaccine is is certainly under question now as to how different yep. it would it be if 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 those mandates hadn't been so so almost draconian yeah so. what's been your greatest challenge that you've had to overcome and uh, why, why are you glad that you persisted and overcame it? The biggest challenge, I think, is probably right now. Um, and okay. so, I'm, so I'm working through it. Um, I, said, I said before about some of the opposition, um, I suppose, especially online. But at the moment, every turn that I take, you know, I've, I put up signs, I put up core flutes, I, you know, whatever I do, um, I put up signs, they get torn down. You know, I, I, I park my car in a car park, you know, with my signs on it, you know, and the, and the shopping centre gets calls of complaint. You know, that, like I said before, the trolls are really out. And to be to be honest, the other one that, that right at the present is apathy. Um, we have, you know, and you hear Clive talking about, you know, we've got the biggest membership of any party, you know, in, in the country, and that's that's correct. And in the Hunter, we've, we would by far have more members in the Hunter than any other party. But I, I've come to the conclusion that um, joining a political party is a bit like, um, particularly in a time of crisis and at, the, and at that time, you know, when, when people's emotions are high, I think it's a bit like joining the gym, you know, where a lot of people will join the gym, you know, as part of their New Year's resolution. Um, but somehow that urge that was in their mind, you know, that, that it's it's been, it's somehow satisfied just by joining the gym. Mm. They never actually attend. Um, whatever that urge was that they had to do something, signing the form and handing over the credit card satisfied that urge. And, I, and at the moment, that's probably frustrating. I've got a you know a small group of people who are incredible, who are you know who are helping me and supporting me in lots of different ways. But most people are just happy to sit on their laurels, or stand on their laurels, whatever the whatever the saying is. Most people are happy to sit at home and wait for election day um, and not actually step up when when it's 
most needed. You know, there's a lot of talk. You know, I hear people complain that you know they that nothing ever changes. Well, things will only change if we change the way we behave and that you know that we change the way we think. And in this situation, if we change the way we vote, the more people need to to get involved. Um, put a sign on the on the you know fence. Um, hand out things on polling day and to be honest it might not just for me you know but I think more than ever you know there are a lot of there are a lot of candidates around the country you know standing for for the things that they believe and standing for really good things um, and I think at this stage people need to be finding somebody who aligns with their values you know do the research find the right person you know, you know for some people on the hunter that'll be me for some people when they ask all the right questions that won't be me and that's okay um, but find the person who stands for the things you believe in and support them you know, put up their signs, tell your friends, you know, hand out their how to vote cards, um, whatever it takes, but have a go and step up and do something rather than just hide behind a keyboard and whinge. I think it's pretty exciting at the moment. The people I speak to around business uh, seem to be moving from political atrophy, you know, and, mm. and the word atrophy means the action of inaction. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's amazing that something will happen. Yes. <laughs> and if we do nothing, something still will happen. Yeah. So if, if there's a voice that you've got and you want it to be heard, then you've got to stop the action of inaction and move to a point where, as a person, you follow the conviction you have in your heart to, to see, well, this time my vote will count. This time my vote will make a difference. And I have got lots of people that I speak to at the moment, which is really encouraging, that say to me, I've never actually voted before or I've never, you know, I've never voted correctly before. Um, they've done donkey votes and people are saying to me now that this will be the first time ever actually that I'll be voting and making that count. And that, that's encouraging. That's good to hear. So it's, it's now, you're on, you're on the runway. Yes. Okay. <laughs> There's an election that's called. It's, it's now serious time. What message do you want to get out over these next few weeks until the day of of reckoning uh, day where we vote, what, what's the main message that you want to deliver to people? Well, I suppose the main message is that, you know, people need to think about the future that they want. Um, it, it's really easy to look at things and just complain about the, the situation that we have. Um, but people need to think about what it looks like. And to be honest, for people to recognise and finally just face the fact that the major parties, you know, the parties that, that you know, 20 years ago, Labor, Liberal, they don't exist anymore. You know, they're, they're, they're just part of people's memories that they're hanging on to. It's a bit like, to me, I'm a car guy, and it's a bit like Holden and Ford. You know, when I was a kid, you know, we would, we would cheer and we would argue over Holden and Ford, who was going to be better, and, you know, and I remember even, you know, si sitting on the corner, on the, you know, sitting in the gutter with mates, you know, and betting as to which, which car would go past, whether it be a Holden or Ford. How many would it be? The first one to get to 10 wins the bet. Um, but Holden and Ford in the forms that we remember... They don't exist anymore. You know, there are still cars driving around with a Ford badge. I've got, I'm driving a car with a Ford badge on it. But the Holden Ford we argued about and and loved as you know as kids are, are gone, and they're just distant memories. You know, no matter whether you put posters on your wall or whether you don't. Um, I think people need to understand that you know Labor and Liberal are much the same. You know, the parties that we that we remember. And I still get people talking to me about, oh, you know, why do they like this particular party? Oh, because in 1975, so and so did this. I'm like, who cares? I think people need to actually think about the future that they want, do the research and find out, you know, who, who, who's the candidate who will stand up for the things that you believe and, and vote that way. Like I said before, support them. Um, 
the message is we need change. You know, I think everybody recognises, you know, something's not right. Um, you know, we've got, it's pretty awful, but honestly, I look at it at the moment, but yeah, the, the options, you know, as the media wants to portray more of a presidential style election, how they always want to do it, you know, with, with ScoMo or Albo, and honestly, it might be awful, but I look at it, and it's like having to choose, would you rather a heart attack or a stroke? Um, I honestly, that's I don't think either of them have the really the best interests for the country at heart. I don't think either of them have the, the you know the people. I think they've forgotten the people that they're meant to represent, and it's become a battle. It's you know it's a prize to be won, and we're not we're not a prize to be won. You know we are we are people, and and I wish people could just have a little bit of the insight that I've had just even while I've been running. Because I hear stories every day, you know, I send out text messages, you know, to, the, to, to members around the Hunter. And I'll have people that, you know, will text me back, pouring out their hearts, you know, for the, for the hardship they're going through. Um, you know, people telling me that they've lost their job and they're losing their home. Um, you know, I was talking to a guy just recently, you know, um, up in Singleton. And he's, we were chatting away and he tells me that, you know, about how they're basically living in a caravan because they can't find a, if I can't find a house. There are just so many things happening in people's lives they just have no clue and I, they just don't seem to care it, it's just it's a, a battle to be won it's a prize to be won um and, and we're much more than that and i think people yeah my main message is for people to to think about what they can do yeah the election's close people need to think about what the, what they can do and, and how their vote will count i've always admired and appreciated your frankness and honesty uh it's been a good journey of life that we've been able to share and converse with each other and many different uh, avenues over the years but Jeff one day your life is is going to come to an end it's going to be reduced to a, a sentence or, or a paragraph and there'll be a plaque in the honor of uh, Jeff Passfield not politician not not anything else but just representing the life of Jeff Passfield what would you like that to say well if a plaque's a tr tricky what I reckon to actually put it into words but but I, I... I suppose I've got a couple of things that I that I would like to be remembered for, if that's if that's what you mean. There's, I suppose there's, I'd like to be a person that, you know, people would say, I'm glad he was my, my husband, father, friend, colleague, teacher, you know, whatever that whatever that might be. And this is probably a little bit of an aside, but I suppose even just as I say that, it reminds me one of the things at the moment. Because I was talking to, to Pip only a couple of nights ago and saying, really, everybody's talking about achievements, you know, and, and, and what, you know, what they've got to offer. Honestly, I, I honestly consider my best achievements, even just the fact, you know, I've been married for 29 years, two adult kids who still enjoy spending time with me. Um, I look at the, the quality of friends that I have, and I think, oh my goodness, you know, these people choose me to be their friend. Uh, you know, and I feel really privileged with that. Um, and they, they're my greatest achievements. So having... I think some of those people to say I'm glad he was my friend, whatever it might be, you know, would be really important. And and I suppose the other the other thing I thought about was that when when my when our kids were were small uh, and growing up, we we were quite deliberate about um, having particular adults, you know, in their lives that they could watch as well, um, and that they could. Yeah, because mum and dad don't have everything, you know, and then after a while, you know, mum and dad don't have anything, you know, at certain times of their lives. Um, but yeah, so so we were very deliberate in having people around that our kids could watch their lives and be, you know, inspired and mentored by those people. I suppose I'd like to be somebody, you know, that um, that people would be happy 
for me to be that person for their kids you know and I, and I suppose if I could be somebody that you know that I, my friends would say I'm, I'm glad he was my kids Uncle Jeff well that's probably what you'll get on a plaque somewhere it'll be about that small <laughs> yeah. but look it's been a, a real privilege to be able to share today and even over these last few months from you from the time you, you've told me that you were going to you know put your hat in the ring for this candidacy and and now watching the maturity of your conviction grow and the heart of what it is you want to achieve and the passion you have to serve people has been great to watch and uh, I, I I just appreciate the the fact that you've you're going to have a shake at this and you have having a real go but it's not not just to see what happens but it's to make something happen hmm. so I appreciate your time today I appreciate the way that you're serving our community uh, unpaid and you just you're in there don't know what the future holds but you're giving it a red hot shot so I appreciate the the conviction that you've always lived your life with and particularly now and uh, I wish you all the best for for the um, for the aim that you've got in in representing the Hunter region thanks for your time today thanks man thanks for taking the time to speak with me today well that's it for my recording with Jeff today it's been a really exciting opportunity to be able to share with him and uh, watch this part of his journey of life. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. I look forward to sharing with you next time. Jeff Passfield is a very ordinary bloke. I've known Jeff for about 25 years. We've ridden bikes together. We've done a, a few men's camps together. Jeff has been a motor mechanic. He's been a car salesman. He's been a TAFE teacher. He's been a school teacher. Him and his wife have owned a business together. And now Jeff's decided to stand as the United Australia Party representative for the Hunter region. I'm looking forward to our interview today with Jeff as I discover why he decided to take quantum leap into the world of politics.